0: welcome to the scarlet faithful podcast i'm aaron brightman and welcoming back david anderson to discuss a number of things with Rutgers football now that the regular season is complete with a six and six record we're waiting a few days out from finding out where the bowl game will be and who the opponent will be so it's a perfect opportunity to discuss a few things wanted to focus on in this episode uh the need for improved talent and depth on the roster what they've accomplished this year, but what they need to do to take that next step. And it's really a two-pronged approach, in our opinion, with the Transfer Portal, which opens up on Monday, December 4th, as well as internal development, which this next month provides a tremendous opportunity for them to do that. David, why don't you kick it off in terms of what you think and what we both agree on is kind of an ideal example of what Rutgers was able to do on the positive this year.
1: Sure. Thanks for having me, Aaron. I think that really the template that a team like Rutgers, a program like Rutgers is going to want to follow is basically what they've been able to do in the defensive back room in terms of you've got a mix of high-end talent. You've got a mix of guys who their ceiling might not be quite as high, but they're reliable college contributors with the proper amount of development. And then you've got depth uh, guys that if you have to call upon them, you can do so. And this has been built by virtue of some transfer portal additions, but also, and I, and I might add, not super high ticket, you know, really expensive transfer portal additions, as well as just some organic growth that's come from within uh, and savvy, let's call it savvy recruiting, not necessarily, you know, five-star players coming to the program, but they're getting what they can. And this, this mirrors somewhat what Shiano was able to do during his first tenure while also incorporates the changing college landscape as it pertains to the transfer portal window that's upon us. So that's really where I kind of wanted to just use this as an example. And uh, did you want to add anything to that?
0: No, I think it's, 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 uh, it is what is, I think we agree on as, the most realistic path for Rutgers improving, right? Right. Uh, They're not going to be able to blow people away with, you know, huge NIL offers. Um, But I think that this group is a great example that proves that you don't have to do that. And a lot of it's still relationship based and player development based with recruiting. But I also think that, um, you know, this was a group that had some question marks going in and they were able to uh make a lot of progress and be uh, a huge part of the success of the team so I think it makes perfect sense to highlight them and then kind of delve off of that and talk about some other groups in terms of where we hope they could mirror that you know moving forward
1: for sure and yeah to kind of to what your point was making which coming into the season we felt pretty good about you know Robert Longerbeam and Max Melton in that corner um Melton Probably had his best few games at the end of the year. Longer beam was a little bit more consistent, by far had his worst game, just this last game against Maryland. But you felt like, okay, we have Big Ten quality. And on a good day, you might, they're one of the best cornerback tandems in the in the conference. But of course, nowadays of the passing attack, you need depth, and then you also need other guys to help out. And Eric Rogers definitely did that. He came from a group of five school where he was good, but not. You know, first team all conference or anything like that. And he was able to provide, uh, be that third corner, even if it was shifting uh, Melton or Longerbeam into the slot. Uh, I think that the team was constructed well that they weren't pigeonholing guys into certain roles. And then you had Cass Abraham, who you're hoping was going to be able to contribute after a really good season two years ago, but he faced a lot of injuries and ultimately didn't play really. Uh, but they had the depth to absorb that type of loss, whereas in other position groups, they might not have that. And then also a cornerback, you had a couple of younger guys. You have like Zylon Williams, who hasn't had to play a lot outside of special teams, whereas in other programs or even in other position groups at Rutgers, he would have been forced into action. But there's a guy who can continue to develop. And then also they brought in Charles Amonqua, Thomas Amonqua's brother, who had success previously at the group of five at Akron. And he was not really pressed into duty other than a couple times, I believe it was. So you have the depth to be able to withstand if you were to face an injury or a transfer portal uh, defection or a guy going to the NFL early. They they have the depth to absorb that and give themselves a little bit of breathing room to refill it. And then similarly at the safety position, with the departure of Christian Isian and Avery Young, they really did need to go to the portal and Flip Dixon was as good as we could have possibly uh, imagined him to be. And then the continued improvement, organic growth within the program and continued improvement of Shaquan Loyal and of uh, Desmond Igbenosan allowed them to roll out a safety group that wasn't as big a drop-off as we anticipated it might be. So just in terms of construction there, I mean, that's just the kind of high level, what happened in the defensive backroom, even not mentioning someone like uh, Elijah on Mac who had to play at times as a cover safety and a guy who, you know, in a good program, he's only going to have to play his fourth or fifth year, not being thrust into action early. And Rutgers, you know, has been able to put him in situations where there wasn't games where we're saying, Oh no, who is that guy who's getting burned by that bomb? Like Mac was in a position where he's finally at that stage in his development where he can go in games and, you know, play for you a little bit and perhaps, you know, be a starter maybe in his final year on the bench or something like that. But they haven't been forced to put in guys before they're ready in this position group. Uh, Any other things that, you know, I missed with with the corners of the safeties in that regard?
0: No, it was all really good. Uh, In addition to, I think, I mean, for me personally, like I had a lot of questions about safeties going in. Uh, was also Christian Braswell uh, left as well. Right. you know, in terms of that hybrid role. Uh, and we, we had hope for uh, Ipunosin and uh, Loyal that they were able to take a step forward. And the fact that both of them were in addition to Dixon, I mean, he took a huge step forward just in his own personal development from what he did at Minnesota. Um, right. And, you know, looking at, uh, I looked at this yesterday player grades, um, you know, it's not everything of course, but uh, pro football focus, has, you know, Dixon has the highest player grade on the defense um, and was 19th in the conference, which was the best for, for Rutgers. So I think the fact that they were able to add him in the portal and that's, you know, relationship-based thing with Harris Simiak being from the, uh, Minnesota, obviously, you know, uh, that's important. Um, But it just shows that they were able to take a big 10 caliber guy and make him better than he was at right. his other big 10 team. So um, I think all of those things are really positive and, um You know, the fact that they were pretty versatile, too, you know, in terms of they they didn't give up a lot of huge passing plays um, and and the fact that they were really effective in the blitz at times when they were used um, all three of them. So, you know, and and Dixon had several goal line tackles uh, this season, most of them early, but uh, they all just were able to step up in different ways. So um, that was just for me, that position group was just huge in terms of how they were able to develop them and accumulate them, and and then just going back to Rogers, you know, the defense. I think we had talked to this before. I mean, the eleven starters. I think the Rutgers defense is clearly top half in the Big Ten. I think part of the issue towards the end of the season was depth because uh, of some of the injuries, and I think longer beam. You saw that with with why he had a poor performance on Saturday, um, but Eric Rogers, I think develop the best in terms of anyone coming off the bench for the defense. So that was yeah. another portal ad as well, like you mentioned. So yeah, a, a lot of, a lot of positives in the, in defensive backs, both safeties and cornerbacks both through development and the portal, which, you know, is what Rutgers needs to do. I think, you know, I'm not trying to be negative, but I, I think that that's what Rutgers has to do with a lot of other position groups now moving forward. And that's really the key to building off of this season um, you know, not having any delusions of grandeur that they're just going to add all these high impact, high priced, you know, portal guys. It's really about doing that type of work. And I think the positive is that Ciano has proven and, and the, he's got the coaching staff in place to be able to do that.
1: For sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess the, the, the next one I want to talk about is the group that we thought might be at this stage at the end of the season. That's the defensive line. Yep. I mean, you mentioned that the the defensive backs did a good job blitzing. You know, we had some corner blitzes, some safety blitzes, and they were able to get home when Rutgers did bring pressure. And the defensive backs outside of that were able to hold up and coverage usually long enough to prevent big plays. Now, sometimes opposing quarterbacks, especially like I can think of the Temple game, uh, EJ Warner now in the portal, he was able to kind of make a couple short, like, check down type throws or even loft a couple balls into space. But for the most part, uh, that was not really a problem for this team, but it does highlight the fact that they did have to bring uh, blitzers to get extra pressure because really the defensive line, I really see two possible areas where they were, they can improve really. One is getting pressure with four. I think part of that comes from, I think Wesley Bailey was really banged up like for most yeah. of the year. Because his explosiveness early in the season, I know it's against lesser competition, but he was having a lot of success even against Northwestern, a team who ultimately went 7-5 and and is assured of a winning record uh, and historically has had a good offensive line. He was feasting on them. But I forget which game he got got hurt, but he was playing with his leg wrapped and him not performing coupled with the fact that we thought a couple guys may be a little bit more effective than they were uh, in the – in the, as rushers like Kenny Fletcher, we kind of were always waiting for him. The bull yeah. season development, that's a guy who's a perfect, uh, you know, guy who needs the development. It's really hard as a defensive lineman to just improve in the offseason. You can't just, like, run routes like you are if you're a receiver. You really got to kind of hit people or at least in, be in shells, even if you're not in full pads. And so the pass rush there is definitely something of concern. And then once Moture had to play full-time linebacker, That limited some of the things they were able to do up front. And then the second thing is, I think they did hold up in the middle of the line against teams just running straight ahead. There was very few games where teams just wore them down running up the gut, uh, which is a pleasant surprise because pretty much every other Rutgers team in the last decade has eventually balked under that type of pressure. But the key thing that you were mentioning when we talk about this over and over and over again is, that is one of the quickest areas that you can regress and fall below this six and six level that we saw this year. Because the defection of one guy like Afani Maja last year, Isaiah Eitan was able to come in and maybe not perform at the same level early in the year, but at least be another big body. But really, they need a couple other guys to be those run stuffers inside, especially when you know the opponent's going to try to run late in the game, like Penn State, for example, was doing. And so I do think that the defensive line is going to have to go to that playbook that the defensive backs did maybe add a portal addition or two and rely on some of that internal development to kind of take the next step to where they can at least tread water or even improve heading into next season.
0: Yeah. Great points. I mean, they, they certainly have some, some potential to, to do that in terms of development. I thought Renee Conga had some highlights this year as well. He battled some injuries. I totally agree with Bailey. I think he was pretty much beat up most of the season. And he, you know, he, he left several games uh, in terms right. of playing and leaving. Uh, so uh, I, yeah, I think that it's, it's not a disappointment in the sense that they, they weren't good, but I was hoping that they would develop the depth, you know, and, and, and be more dominant in the pass rush, like you said, uh, than they became. So I think that, yes, it, it, it can, it's important that they don't take a step back and they continue to add that depth. And I think in inside, um, you know, they're, they're going to lose Ahana too, who was you know pretty solid this year. Mm. Uh, and um, so, the, the, you know, Lewis, we don't know about you know he he right. was the just looking at the player grids, he was the only defensive lineman to get uh, you know in the top 100 for Rutgers in the Big Ten. He was 31st and third on the team behind Dixon and terrey So. Um, certainly, they, they not only need to improve depth, but they do need to improve impact players as well. And um, you know, they have some guys there, like you mentioned, Fletcher. I still think he can he can do it. Uh, but yeah, this next month is going to be crucial uh, in terms of getting those guys developed and seeing what they can do in the bowl game.
1: Yeah, so good point on the impact players because, like I said, I think Max Mountain's a good example where he was playing his best football. At the end of the year they didn't necessarily need him to be doing that at the very beginning of the season on the yeah. defensive line you know this could be a coaching thing but sometimes i think you might have been they might have thought their pass rush was better than it was just because of how good Ture was when he was playing at the on the defensive line or even just the threat of it that offenses had to account for hey this guy could be lined up on the edge he could be lined up in the middle backs might be looking for him about where he might be lined up on a particular play. I mean, I think Aaron Lewis is, I think he's an elite player overall, but he's not an elite pure pass rusher, right? which is a different thing. So there's kind of two things you can do with that. One, you fill the ranks with guys who have a little bit of a different skill set and you try to rotate them in like maybe situational pass rushers or you change the defense, which I don't think they will. Because again, I think he's a predator fit in a three, four, where he's more of like a hybrid interior exterior guy. So really what I think they can do in the defensive line is they're going to try to find depth that kind of fills these different roles, right? Run stuffing guys in the middle, passers on the outside. And then those type of guys in college, especially at that position, they will continue to get better over the course of their career that just because a guy isn't like in a, blowing off the line you know as a freshman he can do that by the time he's in his fourth or fifth year so i think the defensive line is fairly close to you know what the defensive backs have been able to do but there are some questions this off season and hopefully you know they can still be as effective as they were against the run while also being a little bit more effective against the pass just on their own as a group
0: yeah great points i i i do think um that the the Powell injury, you know, is still – I don't think it gets enough, um, you know, importance placed on it. I think that was a huge loss for the defense. Obviously, he was a leading tackler, but I think that loss of versatility and flexibility, moving Ture around, really did change things. Not that Ture wasn't good in filling in for him, but it just, as a defense, I think it limited uh, some, of the, exactly. some of the things they were able to do early on in that winnable stretch. And when they needed to be able to do some things against better competition, you know, they weren't because they didn't have the depth to replace him other than slide Terray in that role. And now you have Jennings, you know, is is uh, gonna be out of eligibility. So, you know, how are they gonna develop that that spot? You know, is Tere just gonna slide in? Or you would think ideally, if Terray does yeah. stay, they would want to be able to move him around the way he is, uh, and, and and fill that spot, you know, alongside Powell, who probably is gonna return at this point. Um, so I right. think that was a huge part of it too, in terms of may- maybe not, they had the depth right to move to over, which was a positive, but they didn't have the depth in terms of being able to keep that same type of, um, you know, unpredictableness that had made them more effective.
1: Yeah. I mean, that it's a nice transition into talking about the linebackers because really they did have more depth than they did a year ago. And even when you look at when, Powell first went down until this last game. I mean, Jabomi and Moses Walker, they looked so much – I mean, I know the Rutgers gave up a lot of points in this game against Maryland, but just watching them, they were making some plays, and when they first were inserted into the lineup a few games ago, they were not. I think that – you know, I talked about how I think it's really hard to get more than three running backs ready for a game. I think it's really hard to get more than – Three or four linebackers when you're only playing two spots ready for an entire season, pretty much, because yeah. so much of it is timing, communication with your teammates in the secondary and front and back, the, the the play calls, all of that. And so I think that there, you know, right collins, Jabomi, Moses Walker, even Abram Wright. There's an opportunity for this linebacker group to Absorb the losses of Jennings and potentially Pal or Touré, and still be a serviceable linebacking core next yeah. season. And the best evidence that we have to support that is during Shiano 1.0. How many times did they have seniors like Q Frierson, who wasn't necessarily like a top-end linebacker, but after his departure, you're like, well, who is behind this guy? Because obviously he had some limitations in coverage, and then all of a sudden you got. Rankert, Malist, and Jonathan Freeney, who eventually became a defensive lineman. Like they always were feeling, they were always able to get linebackers ready for a season, even if those guys did not play much the year prior. So I've, and, and between Heatherman and some of the other defensive coaches, I feel pretty, I'm pretty bullish on the linebacker group, even if they have to absorb some losses, so that hopefully they can get Toure, if he returns back in that you know, linebacker, defensive line role. I mean, we keep saying if few returns and we'll probably have a separate conversation just about who should stay and who should go because that's a kind of evolving thing. But in his case, he's played three full seasons and he's led the team in sacks three times. And against top-end competition, he's got plenty of good film out there against the Michigans of the world where they couldn't block him at times. And yeah. so it might be in his best interest when healthy to, you know, test his chances in the NFL Whereas in other positions, you know, maybe even like on offensive line, like it probably makes sense to continue your development. Um, did you want me to start shifting towards that? Or did you have other thoughts on the linebackers? Cause I kind of just went on a tear there.
0: No, no, that was really good. I think you're right. I think that there is, and again, it goes back to development, right? There's, there's pieces there that just weren't necessarily ready to step in this year. So it's a matter of, you know, getting them ready for next year, but at the same time, you know, having depth behind them as well. So whether, you know, it's guys coming in, um, you know, through the new class or if they do maybe get a portal guy too, uh, obviously NFL decisions are going to dictate that as well. But yeah, no, I, I, I think that point is well made. And I think we're still very high on the defense's future based on the personnel they have, despite potential losses they may have. And I think, yeah, going to offensive line is a perfect example because I, or a perfect transition because, um, you know, I think there's a difference in did, the, did this unit perform at the level they need to and did this per, this uh, position group perform at a level that maybe was at the max of what they, their potential. Uh, and I think we both agree with the offensive line that, you know, yes, it has to be better, but I think they did get a lot out of that group that, you know, was probably close to best-case scenario of the season.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think we kind of hinted at it. I, I I think they got about as much as they could have possibly expected from this group this year. And maybe, you know, between O'Brien Felter and Gus Linskis, maybe they can get a little bit better for next year. But the, the key, I think, for Felter is that he was playing next to Holland Pierce. And Holland Pierce, I give everybody credit, I was not as confident that he was going to step in as a left tackle in the Big Ten and just not need help both in the run and pass game. And his pass blocking grades was top five in basically every possible metric that they have. Yeah. For the Big Ten. And sure, it helps that you have a mobile quarterback behind you. But, um, you know, I think that there's a good chance Pierce returns to Rutgers. And the reason I say that is because offensive linemen have just a much longer shelf life in the NFL. And with NIL money – you're probably in better shape getting another year in college, improving like you will every year, and then being a little bit more prepared to go onto an NFL roster. Because really the worst thing you want as an offensive lineman is you're, you're maybe in an NFL training camp or you're cut. And then you can't kind of like we're saying with defensive line, you can't really get better just sitting on your couch or playing flag football as an offensive lineman. You got to be hitting people, And you got to be, you know, not just lifting weights. And so I'm pretty optimistic that Pierce would return for those reasons because, like, you saw a guy like Carter Warren with Pitt. He's, like, from State County Tech, which is, like, give them a shout-out. He was drafted last year after an injury-plagued season at age 24. And so there's not real – in, I think, the fourth round. So there's not really a, a, a problem with that. So I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful that Pierce stays. And the reason for that is I do think that they got a lot from this group, but the way I see them taking next step next year is perhaps a Kobe Asamoa can be give you what uh, Dunlap gave you at right guard or at tackle, you know, Reggie Sutton, his floor was quite high because he just knows what he's doing but there's definitely things he couldn't do because of his limitation in his mobility. So perhaps he, if he plays next year would be more mobile or you're in a situation where perhaps a Taj white Dante chin, someone like that is able to give you what Sutton gave you this year and a little bit more physically next year, which would allow this group to take, you know, another step in their development. So I do think that there's plenty of opportunities for growth internally on the offensive line. It's very hard to get transfers. We've seen what Rutgers had on the transfer front and it was not great when they brought in four of those five transfers two years ago, yeah. you know, I, and then you saw Gus Linskis kind of pass Ireland Brown on the depth chart. So there's, there's, there's room for growth internally. And that's just going to have, how Rutgers is going to have to do it on the offensive line because they don't have seven figures to throw around like Texas would to bring in, like, a guy who might enter the transfer portal who is, uh, you know, an All-American in the group of five or something like that. They're going to be looking for the J.D. Dorenzos who are moving up a level or, you know, just to plug ranks and really just relying on that internal growth. How did you see the offensive line this year versus, like, what do they have to do to get better? Or do you have concerns that they might regress heading into next season?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it depends. I think that I loved what you said about Holland Pearson. I think a big selling point for him, too, is the fact that he gets to work with Pat Flaherty, who, you know, is going to improve his stock just with NFL teams, knowing that he played for him for, you know, one to two seasons, playing for him for another season, I think would be beneficial. And you also, of course, Flaherty knows everybody. So, you know, you're going to have him singing your praises to NFL personnel. Uh, I, I think that's a huge selling point for him to stay. Uh, and also the fact that, you know, the second year of Shiraka's system, you have to hope that, you know, everybody gets better uh, to a degree. And yeah, if, if Wim said, I know that it's a, we don't need to get in that full debate right now, but, you know, say he does stay, you'd still have a mobile quarterback, uh, you know, not just stay, but right. be the starter next year. You have a mobile quarterback behind you. I think, you know, the offensive line did a really good job of, of keeping things clean and, and keeping, um, you know, him upright with not allowing a ton of sacks. I think that, you know, I, I think the lack of depth did catch up to them at the end, I think, in terms of, you know, getting banged up. Uh, I think you saw it come out with mental mistakes with, with a lot of different penalties towards the end of the season coming from the offensive line. Uh, and, and, having trouble, you know, in terms of false starts, they were not a lot of holding, which was positive. I think that shows right. they're fundamentally sound. I think it was more of just kind of a, a mental breakdown where they just, you know, they, they were kind of beat up physically and it was harder for them. And I think defenses, maybe the better defenses were doing things that were a little bit harder for them to read and making them work mentally harder in terms of picking things up, uh, that, that led to some of those penalties, um, But yes, I mean, overall, I I think Manunga certainly uh, may, and even Wimsett too, to a degree with his running ability, you know, both of those guys are super, very elusive. I talked about it yesterday and had the number one, you know, grade for elusiveness uh, in the big 10, you know, so that's a whole nother question where, you know, uh, that, that covers up some things too, in terms of the offensive line that maybe, um, You know, if they didn't have such elusive and mobile guys behind them, you know, we would maybe not be having the same outlook in terms of of how they are. But I think, yeah, depth, you know, I think as a credit to the staff, they found five guys in the middle of the year. Yeah, I think there is some hope. I think Sutton was super inspiring and yeah, maybe he can be more mobile. Um, you know, another year in recovery and being able to play more. Uh, So certainly a lot of question marks, but yeah, I think if if they, it's possible, right. Other than Dunlap, they can all return. So that continuity could certainly be a positive.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess my last thought on the offensive line is like Tyler Needham also missed most of the year and he looked okay prior. So I don't know if you can, move Reggie Sutton inside would that help but I think I I think really we're looking at a scenario where I, I do believe they will be able to find internal solutions who can give them even more next year second year in the offense and that's kind of a nice transition to talking about coaching a little bit because like we've seen you see time and time again especially in the NFL a good quarterback can come up cover up a lot of deficiencies in the run game it's similar in college more than the NFL, like in, in terms of, you know, in the NFL, there's just less space. So a running back is going to get the available yards and only a couple guys kind of have the ability to do more. And I think Manungai kind of did that at the college level. Like, even if you watch that game against Maryland, Embi wasn't really for Maryland, wasn't really, he was just running into space. Whereas Manungai was making a few plays, especially at the second level to get first downs rather than, you know, going down after a gain of six, which doesn't really improve the offensive line. Let's say pro football focus grade, because, you know, I blocked my guy and the running back got this amount of yards considered a successful run, but the running back is the one who has to add that icing on the cake with those explosive plays. And so I guess that's kind of a natural transition to talking about running back. You know, I would say Monungai for sure was a top three most important player on this team. And it was because he was doing more than just getting the available yards that the offense was blocking. I think the running back unit is close to where the defensive backs are in terms of what they, how the room is built and how how positioned they are for the future. Because I do think they have guys who are going to get the available yards. I do think you know we don't know what's going to happen with uh, Aaron Young who has another year left. I mean that's also a guy who I hope he stays at Rutgers. But I could see a scenario where he he at least has to be thinking about, could I get more carries at another place and kind of improve my stock? I've been at Rutgers for five years already, basically. Right. Because he's got a redshirt year and he played and then the COVID year. So and then Sam Brown, I was telling you offline, I had a list Frank injury my junior year of high school. Took me a year and a half to really fully recover from it. And part of that was mental because of just the technique. But part of that was like the explosion from my calves and everything was fine, but my foot was not. So I'm also optimistic that Sam Brown will be closer to the Sam Brown of last year. uh, Next year. So it's possible that they can fill ranks even if Monongah was to leave, even if someone was to leave as a transfer if you bank on the fact that someone like Deshaun Benjamin can do a little bit more. I mean, he gave you what you could expect from a true freshman running back, but you got to assume he'll know the playbook better, which doesn't matter as much in the run game, but does matter in the receiving. We saw him catch a few passes and part of that was on the QB and the play calling. But I do think that this running back room, there's a scenario where as a group, they may be able to match the production that they got this year, even with some losses. Um, But The big thing there is making sure that they have some fast guys, some guys who can catch the ball. And sometimes that's one person like a Mo Abraham, and sometimes it's by committee. I I think that there is an opportunity there. I mean, what do you think about running back? Obviously, it probably has as many questions as any other group on the team heading over the next few weeks. But, you know, what do you think about their production next year?
0: Well, I mean, I, I've, I've been seeing Aaron Young's praises. I, I feel like he was underutilized. And actually when I ran the numbers uh, before I upped the snap count to 50%, Aaron Young actually had a higher elusiveness rating than, the uh, than Monungay. And, um, you know, he's definitely the best pass catcher out of running backs. I just wish they used him more, but you know, in terms of his efficiency, I mean, he, he scored at a very high rate based on the amount of touches he had. And, True. um, you know, he, he's never been fully healthy, but I thought the way he responded this year, you know, coming in back from injury, you know, he looked pretty good. So I think that he's definitely could benefit from more opportunities. I agree with you on Sam Brown. You know, I think that, you know, hopefully uh, he's just healthier and, 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 you know, has some more explosiveness. I do think I wonder how much of it is system as well in terms of, you know, maybe not being an ideal fit for this type of offensive system where, you know, we even said before the season, Manungai had the most similarities to Muhammad Ibrahim at Minnesota in terms of that guy that can, can dive for that, you know, grind out those extra two yards on, uh, on, on carries where there's not a lot there. Um, that's not really Sam Brown's style. You know, he's more power. Um, and that's not really what the system is, but I think that if he could, um, show some recovery and and, and have a little bit more pep to his step. He still can be really valuable, but I think it's a great point. I think the three of them combined with Benjamin, that's, I I like that trio. I think that they could, you know, certainly be productive, but um, again, I I, I worry that maybe uh, we're we're all just kind of um, not realizing how great that guy really was uh, this season. And, you know, yes, we don't know if he's going to return. I I tweeted this uh, over the weekend. I mean, I, if I were him, I'd go because I think, you know, conversely to offensive linemen, uh, you know, uh, running back does have a short shelf life and, um, you know, the value is not as high. So, um, why stay another year and get banged up, you know, or just take, you know, 200 more carries on your mileage, But we'll see. I mean, I would be thrilled if he did stay. But I I agree. I think Rutgers' position to absorb the loss uh, will be interesting to see if they do try to add someone as well. Uh, You have Ed Guerrero from Florida, you know, coming in the recruiting class. Yeah,
1: Gabe Winovich, too, who will be running back.
0: Yeah. Right. We'll see. I mean, he does have some versatility. So, you know, uh, who knows if they potentially, if he he stays there. But I, I, I like him as well. He's a power guy. Uh, and seems like he can, you know, yards after contact uh, is something he can do. So, yeah, both of those guys coming in, um, it's going to be interesting. But I think that uh, I do worry that, you know, Monungai covered up a lot of words uh, right. with his natural ability to. And, you know, he's a guy that definitely got stronger, definitely improved on, in the off season, and is a great development story for the staff.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, I think that the biggest thing, talking about available yardage is how many times the was Rutgers saved by they ran the ball on third and seven and you're like, what are we doing? And Kyle guy busts the carry for eight yards. Yeah. Like that was, that's not, you can't expect that you're going to replace that type of production. I mean, you saw it happened right. in Minnesota. They had the same quarterback, same line, mostly the same defense and just losing one guy. And they were not able to do that they were not able to get third and five when he, there was guys in the backfield like they were last year. Right. And how that, how they were saved by a 50 yard field goal in overtime in the Hawaii, Colorado state game to be, a, to reach a bowl game. Right. Like that's how big their drop off was for them. Yeah. That I mean, was the kind of, too. Right. And the APR. Right? right. Good. Good for them on that. Um, I know we're kind of, talked for a while and we did all the easy groups. I feel like quarterback is a completely separate discussion just on its own. I don't really want to get into that. I mean, tight end wide receiver, I think in wide receivers case, we are kind of underestimating the fact that last year Rutgers went into the season and three of their top six, I really think it was really four at one point, but I'm forgetting who the fourth one was, but they had Taj Harris and Josh Youngblood in like the, Expected like top six receivers, and they and then a banged up Aaron Kirkshank. And so they were kind yeah. of not fully staffed a receiver. Then they go to the portal, they get Jaquay Jackson, they get Brantley. I still don't get why Brantley would be eligible because he played in 2018, 2019, 2020. If it doesn't count, skip it 21 yeah. and 2. So I I think he already played five years. I understand it was a catastrophic injury, but I think I think he already played, so I'm not putting any stock in the fact that he might come back. If he does, it's a bonus. But assuming that he's not back, the wide receiver room is interesting because I think the ranks have some depth. But really, you're going to need Ian Strong to basically step into the production that Isaiah Washington had this year. And then someone else, maybe O'Fury or Fama Ture, is then going to have to step into the production that Strong had, basically, if everybody's moving up. So then maybe Chris Long comes back and provides the productivity that Jaquay Jackson had, and then Christian Dremel does what he did. But even then, you have to assume that with more productive passing game, they're going to need even more. So they probably are going to have to go to the portal. I think the Jaquay Jackson model is going to work well because I think he was even underutilized. So can you go – basically, can you just go to Division Two, go to the All-Americans and be like, okay, listen, this is what we did with this guy. If you come here, you can be a starting receiver in all likelihood and maybe go to the NFL. Like is that going to be the model at wide receiver? Or do they get enough organic growth? Or do they get either improvement from Wimsett or quarterback play that at least completes more layups so that the receiving production just goes up by itself on that? I have no idea. At this point, we'll know more over the course of the bowl season, bowl prep, as well as what they do in the portal. But, I mean, I think there's a lot of questions at wide receiver. They're nowhere close. Other than that, I do think they have some freshmen who, at least in two years, you're going to feel like, all right, we got enough guys that can play. That if we can get them the ball, they're going to be open enough and they'll be able to make a few plays for us. But what are your thoughts on wide receiver, as I know we're approaching 40 minutes on this so far?
0: Yeah, no, I think you covered uh, pretty much everything there. I, I do think there is hope that, you know, there's a lot of a young talent on the roster that can ultimately emerge. But I think next year is a huge concern because I think that, that that's almost like a bridge year. You can't Again, count on a lot of those guys.
1: We were hoping yeah. this was the bridge year.
0: Yeah, but. yeah. So, and, you know, everybody wants to, you know, it's like everybody, a lot of fans want to go to the portal, right, and get a quarterback. But, like, <laughs> You need need people to throw to, too. And, like, tight end, you know, they're bringing in young talent, but they they need help at tight end, too. And I think that's why I was always a little surprised that they didn't use the running backs more in the pass game because I think you had more proven and kind of uh, playmakers there that they could have supplemented with that they didn't. And now your wide receiver room and your tight end, I mean, even, you know, listen, Johnny and he's a warrior, and you know, he wasn't the he, he wasn't the best pass catching tight end, but he was a, he was consistent to a degree and that he always kind of had a catch in the game and he right. wasn't the best target, but he made some big catches. And you know, you're losing him too. So and you're losing Bowman. So they're they're starting from scratch kind of at tight end, and you're almost starting from scratch at wide receiver in terms of having no proven production on the roster. So those are two as as many questions we have with the offensive line with quarterback, I mean, that, that for me is a huge concern going into next year uh, where, you know, yes, let's see. It would be interesting, right? If some of those freshmen maybe do develop in the next month and play in the bowl game and make an impression, that would obviously be a, a positive uh, for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, the other thing that we're not factoring in enough is these extra bowl practices are going to let them see. Like I, I think certain positions like uh, quarterback – or you know left tackle, those guys you're going to have to be in in the portal right now. But a position like tight end, you know, that's a spot where it's entirely possible that you might be able to get somebody in the spring. So when you talk about tight end, that's a spot where you I think you have an opportunity to see if a Mike Higgins, if a Logan Blake can develop during this bowl season. And then maybe then you can go to the portal in the springtime. Whereas for quarterback, left tackle, cornerback, edge rusher, those are spots you kind of have to hit in the portal right away. But I think tight end, maybe wide receiver, you might be able to find some guys in the next portal period that can be contributors. And I don't think you need everything. I think in tight end, you saw what Maryland did. They basically had a receiving tight end and a blocking tight end. Mm -hmm. And so – can Mike Higgins be your receiving tight end and you get somebody even a converted offensive lineman as your blocking tight end? Can Victor Kanopka do one of those roles? I mean, I'm I'm not sure. I am very I was very disappointed in the productivity from the tight end room, but I think part of that was they didn't have confidence in their quarterback and pass a game to throw over the middle. And yeah. they also felt like even if our tackles are holding up right now and prote- pass protection – we can't, we, we have to be prepared that we might need to keep our tight ends in. That was kind of how I perceived what they did with that. So, the question next year, to your point, is do your running backs become more of a part of your passing game or do your tight ends? It's got to be one or the other. And yeah. maybe that's depending on who they get personnel wise. And I think Soraka has shown an ability to succeed with both. But, you know, tight end, that's a position where guys get better every year as receivers and in the blocking game. So if you can keep filling the pipe and they got what two tight ends committed plus Corey Duff, who's kind of a hybrid mm-hmm. that yeah. I think that the opportunity is going to be there. And I was looking at a lot of film of Monty Keener. We'll talk separately about, you know, signing day, but um, you know, I think that's an area where they might be able to improve organically, but maybe with one more portal addition for next year. But then after that, they sh- they should be set. I'm hoping, I'm hoping. Yeah. I know. Yeah, you might have missed part of what I said there, but I was basically talking about, you know, tight end. I think we're good. I, I think we'll be good in, in 2025, even if 2024 they might need a little help or to come up with like a just ham and egg it, as Greg Schiano would say, for one more year at the position.
0: Yeah, it's it's going to be. I touched on it yesterday. It's going to be a fascinating off season, and it's it's basically begun which with the postseason, you know, at the same time, it's I just think the next month is really going to be key in so many uh, ways. Obviously, the development for the bowl game, but also uh, how they do explore the transfer portal, closing on the signing day class. So we'll have plenty more to talk about. We talked about a lot today. Appreciate all your time and great insight as always. And thank you so much for listening once again. And uh, we'll be back soon.